So you're you're going into their hive. Why are they not feeling threatened right now? Not right now, not me. Bees. As kids, we were afraid they would sting us, but it rarely happened. And as we got older, we learned they play one of the most important parts of our whole ecosystem. By pollinating plants, bees help breed, grow, and produce the food we eat every day. They also make something that's not half bad in a nice cup of Earl Grey. In Homerville, Georgia, we got to see some bees at work. I'm David Zelsky, and this is the Fork in the Road podcast, presented by Georgia Grown and the fine folks at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Each episode, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Today, we are in South Georgia. Halfway between Valdosta and Waycross on Highway 84 sits Homerville and the Clinch County Honey Trail where beekeeping has been a way of life and a source of income for decades. This is where we will find Ben Bruce. He's the owner of Bruce's Nut and Honey Farm and its store, The Honey Shack. Ben has so many bees that he can't keep count. How many bees do you have? I don't have a clue, a bunch. Uh, that's probably 30 or 40,000 to, to each, each colony. So, you know, you take that into consideration with two or 3,000 hives, so. That's a lot of bees. That is a lot of bees. Just a short drive from downtown Homerville, Bruce's Honey Shack is a charming little store that features Georgia-grown products from all over, including the huge variety of honey produced on site. We've got a lot of uh, Georgia-grown products in here. I mean, we got Goodson's Pecans, and we got the cheese straws, uh, what are Southern cheese straws. And I mean, we've got a, we've tried to specialize in a lot of Georgia-grown products in the store. So, I mean, we got other stuff we had to to fill up the store because we couldn't just have all Georgia stuff, but we tried to for a while, but it just, there wasn't enough stuff through, throughout Georgia. But we got a lot of different varieties of honey and mostly all the honeys that we have in here, most of them we, we produce or we got like local beekeepers that help with our, with our production of it. But we do have a few that we outsource like getting other places like just say orange blossom from Florida. But most of, 90% of our business is the comb boxes that we've got over there. The comb boxes sold at the Honey Shack are 10 ounce containers with a slice of unprocessed honeycomb cut directly from the beehive. When it comes to honey, that's as fresh as it gets. It, that's in its rawest form. I mean, it's just like, it's just straight out of the hive. I mean, we just basically pull a frame out and cut it and it's just straight out of the beehive. Bruce's Nut and Honey Farm also wholesales their honey to other stores across the country for them to sell. Explain how the private label works. That's just like, it might be other companies that, that get our same honey and then they just get their label put on it. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's our honey, but they just get their label on it. There's a good chance there's honey out there. You don't realize you're getting it Bruce's It could honey. be ours, that's right, because I mean, we send it all over the United States. The store also offers raw, unfiltered, private selection honey, which won the University of Georgia's Flavor of Georgia Award. Our private selection is probably the one of the, we won the Flavor of Georgia with it, so, uh, but it's, it's what comes from the comb that I was talking about. It's what, 
Whenever we're cutting that comb, all the, the, the honey that drips off of that that we get when we do that, it's like at the purest form. It's never, and nothing that we, we don't do anything to that. It's not extracted, it's not heated or anything. We just jar it up and it's all pure. For Ben, the honey business is a family affair. While he makes his daily rounds tending to the yards at Bruce's Nut and Honey Farm where he keeps thousands of beehives, he may not always be at the store to greet you, but chances are someone from his family will. My wife helped some and my mom and dad actually help us with the packing and, and uh, we have a, quite a few employees, but I mean, we got you know some family members that help too. And at Bruce's Honey Shack, they use the honor system for making purchases. It's a testament to their trust in the community and the goodness of the folks that shop there. People just pull up and they just, there's a little uh, book out there they can sign and then they can take and uh, just get a jar of honey and put the money in the metal uh, container we got out there for. Says a lot for the, the folks that live around here. Yeah, there's a lot of honest people in the world. After a while of talking, we hopped in Ben's truck and he took me through some winding back roads to visit the fields where he keeps his hives. I'm going to take y'all out a little different. I mean, we'll still yeah. come out one of them roads. Back at the Honey Shack, Ben told me about his dad's humble beginnings when he founded Bruce's Nut and Honey Farm LLC over 40 years ago. My dad started with one hive uh, back in the 80s. Uh, and then we come along and just gradually started getting more and more uh, hives and then we took and uh, expanded and started actually packing up honey and then when we started packing up honey we started with the honor system we got over on the side and then from there we opened up this retail shop in a, probably 2014. Ben says one of the things that makes Georgia honey stand out is how long it lasts. On the Clinch County Honey Trail, that's earned them widespread recognition. Like Clinch County, like in this area, like our, our cut comb, it's like world famous. It goes all over the United States because of its slow granulation period. I mean, most places make comb honey, but it, it granulates really fast. Now let's stop for a minute and answer the obvious question. What is honey granulation? Well, it is sometimes referred to as crystallization or sugaring. A big misconception is that when honey crystallizes, it has gone bad. Not true. Honey does not spoil. In fact, it's actually a sign of real quality honey. Granulation is a natural characteristic of pure honey, which does not harm it or indicate any deterioration of the honey at all. Got it? Good. We're all on the same page. So how long can it hold for? Uh, We've had some that's been up to about two years before, and if it's in the right Right, climate condition, I mean, yeah, yeah, it could go at least two years or better probably, but uh, most, most of the time it'll get eat up with, within a year, you know, in most circumstances. Definitely wouldn't last that long at my house. Bruce's Nut and Honey Farm has come a long way since Ben's father started the company with a single hive. They now have thousands of hives scattered throughout the property in over 30 different yards and each location can yield an impressive amount of honey. So how many barrels are you getting from each of these locations? Uh, hopefully if they do good, you ought to get a couple of, a couple of, a couple of drums from each location. As we exit Ben's truck and approach a yard filled with wooden beehives, the sun pops out from behind the clouds. There's a definite buzz in the air. 
sun's kind of coming back out. You can actually see the, the bees starting to fly a little bit better. You can see them in the air. You smell it. You can smell it if you. Oh, I smell it for sure. Yeah, you smell yeah. the sweetness. I mean, it's the sun's coming back out and they're starting to fly again. But I think that's a mating swarm. It's a real small swarm up there. We look up and see a group of bees just congregating on a nearby tree branch. What is that called? It's a mating swarm. Oh, wow. They'll be a lot smaller than like a regular swarm coming out of a hive. It's probably just a, a queen that's, one of these hives that's lost a queen that's getting mated. They'll, they'll land in like a little swarm. Those are all bees in there? Mm-hmm. That's a whole, just a whole glob of bees up there. If I get below it, are they going to get ticked off? Do what now? If I get right below it, are they Oh, gonna... no, no, you should be fine. You should be fine. Now, before we step to these honeybees, I think it's time for a quick Honey 101. Hey, that's pretty fun to say. Honey 101. Honey 101. Honey 101. <clears throat> well, anyway. Okay, honey starts as a flower nectar collected by bees for food. In their nest, bees build honeycombs out of wax and store the nectar in tiny cells. The shape of the honeycomb and the constant fanning of bees' wings inside their nest causes evaporation, creating the honey, which preserves the food. Bees then make a wax cap to seal off each cell. Beekeepers build wooden boxes with stacks of frames and harvest the honey by collecting the honeycomb frames and scraping off the wax caps. Once the caps are removed, the frames are placed in an extractor, a centrifuge that spins the frames, forcing honey out of the comb. Back in the yard at Bruce's Nut and Honey Farm, Ben cracks open one of the many wooden boxes filled with honeycomb panels. The warm sweetness wafts through my nose. So you're you're going into their hive. Why are they not feeling threatened right now? I reckon they know me. No. <laughs> we smoked them. I mean, we done what we were supposed to. Wow. Besides the cool-looking protective gear, which is the first image in your mind when you think of someone in the bee business, another important tool in any beekeeper's toolkit is the smoker. It's a steel canister that produces cool smoke, which calm the bees and help prevent stings while you harvest. Ben explains to me how it works. They think it's like a forest fire coming, so they so they gather up honey in the hive and, and, and fill themselves up so they're happy and, they, and then they leave. Or they're ready to leave if they get, the hive gets burned. And tell me how the smoke works to the, with their bodies, like what it's doing to them. Well, it just calms them down because it makes them gorge yourself with honey. Ben looks over the honeycomb frame with a careful eye. Tell me what we're looking for here. I'm just looking just to see how much they've done since we was in here last. But that's that's like eggs. And then you got the honey that surround it. So the dark is the eggs, the white is the honey, and then that's they cap right. it? That's right, then they cap capped over it. And that's like the comb like we cut to put in the jars. So how many of these hives do you have out here? Uh, that's usually anywhere, from, we usually have anywhere from 40 to 80 to a yard. And this is just one of many yards? Oh yeah. Tell me what flowers these... This is all, what they're making now is gallberry, but I mean there's, there's probably going to be some tupelo mixed in with it, and there'll be some palmetto before it's over with, and, and then another bush called uh, cena bush. The different honey varieties are named from the flowers and the foliage the bees make the honey from. The wide variety of foliage on Ben's farm produces a wide variety of honey, all with different flavors and consistencies. 
And so you uh, kind of never know exactly what it's going to be like? like no, like each frame different... could be like when we're pulling out the frames that you can see the honey. You can actually see the different, like where they start and stop different honey flows in there. You can see the different colors of the honey and kind of tell what it's going to be. Also, different honey is made in different seasons. Well, we start out in the spring with something called tie which is a bakery grade honey. And then we go like then our next crop is the uh, gallberry, and then it's palmetto and cena bush. That's most of the main honeys we have. And then we have, we also have some uh, cotton, cotton honey that we make in the, like in the summer. Cotton honey? Now that sounds wild. At Bruce's Nut and Honey Farm, they get that particular variety in the summertime when the bees are moved to the cotton fields. Well, we take them to the cotton fields after that and they kind of stay up there, what they produce up there. And, but a lot of times we just let them have that crop. I mean, we get some cotton honey from them, but a lot of times we just let them have that as their winter, winter crop for that. That's, that's like their groceries at that point. Clinch County bees sometimes get shipped outside the state to pollinate crops. This can result in some unexpected honey that you might not want to sample. So you take your bees to different spots all, oh, yeah. all around. Oh yeah, they go to California. Yeah, we send them out to California. They're around uh, Bakersfield and, and places, uh, but that's where these bees have come from is California. You, they stay out there about a month and a half usually whenever they go to California. And is that during the cold months? Well, it'd be from January. They go out the end of January, so they stay February, March, and then they're back here by the first, uh, you know, in the end of March, the first of April, they're usually back here. Is that for the bees' safety? How is it? Or are they no, just that, working out there? No, that's just they're working almonds out there. They, they're pollinating. That. It takes all those bees to do all the almond crop. Oh wow! So the different. Yeah, so that yeah, but now the almond they do make a little nectar off of almond. But boy, you talk about bitter. It's think about the worst medicine you could take, and that would be the almond honey. I mean, it's bitter. I don't know what makes it that bitter, but it's it's really it's a bitter it's a bitter honey. We'll stick with gallberries and yeah, bayberries. Yeah, I don't even know how the bees even tote it thinking it's something sweet because it's not, it's not sweet, it's bitter. So we'll stick with Georgia honey. That's right, that's right. <laughs> this honey looks so good, I want to eat it right off the comb. And I'm not the only one. There can be safety concerns by some unwanted visitors. What are you looking for? What are some of the dangers to the bees well, every season we've been kind of lazy this year about our fences or whatever but the bears is a big thing out here uh coming in because they'll go to smelling the honey once you get it once you get hive stacked up like now but i don't know i hadn't seen that much sign this year so i hadn't been t that's the reason we hadn't got the fences all hot but normally we do but so bears are really there really are oh, winning yeah, the poos out there they'll go to they'll, yeah they'll <laughs> go to smelling the honey and they get to be a issue but that's really one of the biggest thing and then like this time of year, wildfires get to be a big, a big issue because you're worrying about, you know, you get all this honey. You get to this point, and you know, when you bring them out here, you only got one box on them, and you get to this point, and you start, you know, you're starting to get into your livelihood then. In the hive, we see some baby bees. And these little guys aren't making honey of their own yet, but Ben tells me they will be soon. This is all like baby bees and this is what you want to see now because they're getting ready to make honey because all this stuff's fixing to hatch out and how long after the bees hatch the baby bees hatch how long after until they start making honey too well they live a 21 day cycle during the during this time of the year their wings will just fall off of them whenever they're out making honey 
So they, when they first come out, I don't know exactly the, the dates on, on, on how long which does, but once they come out of the cell, they actually are like a brood tender. They stay in the hive and tend brood, and then after they're out for a few days or whatever, then they actually become, go out and start going into the, to start collecting nectar. These babies are cute and all, but we'd be remiss if we didn't mention their mother, the one who makes this colony possible, the queen bee herself, the queen bee. The queen bee is selected by the worker bees to reproduce for the whole colony. There's only one queen bee per hive, and they can produce up to 5,000 eggs per day. She's fed only with royal jelly, a protein-rich substance which worker bees produce from a gland in their heads. Bees feed royal jelly to all their babies and use it to preserve the queen. All that shininess in there. Explain what royal jelly does. That's what they put on the bees to, to, they actually put more of the royal jelly on a queen if they were raising it, but that's just what they add in there. That's like the food that they feed to the babies. And each stack has a queen, right? Oh yeah, each, each, each hive will have a queen in it. As the sun sets, we hop in Ben's truck and head back to the honey shack. I'll definitely be dropping some money in the container for a few jars of honey and some comb boxes to take home. From flower petals across the landscape to a plastic bear on your kitchen counter, the journey which honey takes to creation is a fascinating one. Special thanks to the bees that make it happen. I sure am glad I got to spend some time with Ben on Bruce's Nut and Honey Farm to witness this whole sticky saga. For more stories like this one, you can watch A Fork in the Road on GPB TV or anytime on the gpb.org website. That's where you'll also be able to listen to and subscribe to this podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. I'm David Zelski. Thanks for listening to A Fork in the Road. <laughs>